That's awesome. Um, we, um, we, we, Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham said that as he traveled the world, one thing that he noted everywhere he went, there was one thing universal that people spoke to him about. Everywhere he went, when he would talk to people and they would begin to share his problems around the world, didn't matter if they were rich, they were poor, they were black, they were white, they would, they would always bring up one thing, and it was guilt. It was guilt. That's what Billy Graham said. Tonight I want to teach you how you can overcome guilt. The Bible says that we're, we, we are more than overcomers. More than overcomers. Which means that anything you're facing in your life, the scriptures and the Bible has given us access and the ability through Christ to overcome it. Come on, you believe that? Come on, if you don't believe that, we're in trouble. We can overcome any obstacle in our life, including guilt. And so we're going to get into this. I want to tell you a story. I think my dad told this story years ago. So if I don't tell it as well, I'm a rookie, right? We'll, we'll, we'll do our best. This is an old, um, um, this is an old story, but I, I want to tell you it. There was a little boy who was given, little Johnny was given a slingshot um, for Christmas. And, and for the next couple of weeks, Johnny was playing with that slingshot. And he just had a moment in time where he just did sometimes what little boys did. And he flung a rock at, at his granny's um, favorite pet duck. And he fired that thing at the duck, thinking there's no way I'm going to hit it. And he hit it, and the duck fell over dead right there. Granny's favorite pet duck. And he thought he was alone, but he looked back for a moment. And his sister, Sally, was there, saw him do it. And Sally looked at him and said, I saw what you did, Johnny. They went inside that night, and Grandma said, Sally, I need you to do the dishes tonight, hon. And Sally said, Johnny actually loves to do dishes. <laughs> what was Johnny going to do? He popped right up from the table, went in, did those dishes like nobody's business because he knew if Grandma found out that he killed that duck that he had since hidden in the woodpile, that she was going to probably kill him. And so for weeks, Johnny did a lot of dishes. As you can imagine, he had no choice. The guilt of what he had done totally controlled him, totally kept him from, from being free. And it's interesting because if, if we were honest with one another, we have a lot of, for lack of a better term, dead ducks in our past. Things that we horribly regret that some of us wrestle with on a daily, if not moment-by-moment moment basis. And I believe that, that God absolutely, 100% wants you to be free from guilt tonight. I want to start here. Um, first of all, let's, let's, let's establish some rules tonight. Number one, you being riddled by guilt is not from God. I've actually, I was reading up on this, and you'd be shocked how many pastors teach that guilt is a good thing. I don't think they understand the concept of guilt. Guilt is not the regret that I just did something five minutes ago. Guilt is something that plagues people for years and years and years to come over something that was done 15 years ago. 
Guilt is not from God. In Revelation, I think, 12, 10, it, the, the, the Bible calls Satan or, or the devil the accuser of the brethren, which means if you're hearing or feeling accusations against your life or your past dealings, it's not from God. We've got to set that up tonight. Because the one thing that I've seen in the church is we oftentimes have been taught the theology or the idea that if we have an emotion like that in our life, well, God, you know, he just created all the emotions. And so that's from him. He's trying to work something in your life. What is he trying to work in my life? Depression? I mean, come on. So um, the Satan is the accuser of the brethren. If you're feeling accusations against your own life, internally, your thoughts, etc., it's not from God. It's from who? Oh, that was weak. Some of y'all don't even want to say it. I'm like, God, do I, do I have to give up my pet guilt? We've been friends for a long time. Who is it from? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, if something's accusing you, it's not God. Tell them that. All right. Good. Got it. There's a really, really, really smart guy. They call him a psychiatrist, but he's famous. His name is Carl Menninger. And he wrote a book one time called What Became of Sin. Interesting title. He once said that if he could convince patients, he did a study, if he could convince patients in psychiatric hospitals, now these were people that had been, you know, that were looney tunes, right? People committed and they just had lots of stuff going on. If he could convince patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven and that their guilt was taken away, they don't have to be guilty anymore. He said, this very famous psychiatrist said, 75% of them, three quarters of them, could probably walk out the next day. Guilt will make you go crazy. I've dealt with some people and I thought to myself, they are not with us. They are not marching to the same beat I am. You know what I mean? Like, they have, some, some french fries have fallen out the bottom of their Happy Meal bag. You know what I mean? They are not complete. And when I actually got to know them, because isn't that a shame that we just judge people and we don't actually get to know them? Because you're going you're gonna to find out if somebody's weird, there's probably a reason. Somebody's dealing with schizophrenia or bipolar or, or some sort of mental disorder. There's probably a reason. They've probably been through something. Don't point at her, okay? I'll knock you silly, all right? We're Facebook Live. I can't say that. Facebook probably just tagged me and said the inappropriate thing. Um, so if... if, um, if <laughs> Threatening people from the pulpit. It's a great thing. If you're going to find out that most people have been through something, and if you'd understand what they've gone through, you'll probably find that the root of some of what they're dealing with and processing, that people have said, oh, that person's crazy, or that person's this, or, or these labels that we sling out there, you're going to find out that a lot of the time it's rooted in guilt. Because guilt will drive you insane. It will eat you up from the inside out. Sorry. Sorry about that. It will mess you up. He said three out of four of them could probably walk out the next day if they were convinced that their sins were forgiven and that their guilt had gone away, that their guilt had been taken away. 
this is another interesting study. I want to throw this out there before I get to this scripture because I want you to see the whole pie. Because this is something that not just Christians believe, it's actually accepted in secular institutions and uh, secular colleges and, and medical journals. There's studies that have been done on the destructive nature of guilt in our lives. So it's not just something that we know as Christians, it's something that's kind of universally understood in, um, in psychiatric medical studies. Back in 2006, researchers at the University of Toronto found that people who suffer from a guilty conscience experience a powerful urge to wash themselves, specifically their hands. The researchers asked test subjects to recall past sins and were told to wash their hands as a symbol of cleansing their conscience. Another control group was told simply to wash their hands. The researchers found that those who recalled their sins while they were washing their hands had twice the rate. They would wash their hands at twice the physical speed and rate of the study subject who had not imagined past transgressions. In other words, they had a group that they just said, wash your hands. Didn't give them a reason why. Wash your hands. And they had another group and they said, um, I want you to think about the past sins or mistakes that you've made while you're washing your hands. And they noticed they would, wa they would watch their movements and they would actually time their movements. The people that were thinking about their sins and transgressions actually would wash their hands at twice the speed of the people. Do you see what I'm saying here? Because in their, in their own nature and humanity, they were trying to wash away by their, by their own means and their own ability this feeling of guilt and regret. David described it this way in Psalms 32.4, if you put that up there for me. He said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. My bones wasted away day and night your, heavy, your hand was heavy upon him. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. This is after David had committed a, a terrible, terrible act. This is after David had something to really, really be upset about, to feel guilt about. And David finds himself feeling these things as a result of the guilt that had settled upon his life. It's a pretty interesting description. The biblical answer to this, and I have a couple more scriptures I'm going to read in a moment. The biblical answer to this, and when I say it, some of you are going to cringe because, because you don't really fully understand the concept tonight. And I'm going to show you how it makes sense. The biblical answer to this is repentance. Amen. See, I told you no one's going to get excited about that. Yeah, let's repent. Everybody, let's repent. Let's just have a repentance party. You know, people do that. They have like repentance parties. I'm like, don't invite me, all right? Well, she want to be there until like midnight or something, all right? Because I got a lot to talk about. It's actually repentance, but it's not the repentance the way you grew up thinking about repentance. I used to come home from school and my dad would say to me, my sweet, loving father would say, I can't believe it. Say, so what are you talking about? I cannot believe you did that. I said, did what? Your teacher called. Mrs. Smith called me. Why would you say that? I'm like, say what? 
Um, in my mind, I'm thinking, which thing does he know about? You know what I mean? Like, which one? And sometimes he'd get me to fess up, and after a while, I caught on, and, uh, and I would, wouldn't fall for it anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, wait. And so it's like, just fess up and tell me what you did. And so we get that idea. We think that, we think that our dad are, is standing around sternly waiting for us. You tell me what you did wrong. You tell me. I want to hear everything. Tell me. Like he doesn't know. He didn't know. He just acted like he knew. He just assumed chances are this kid is a little mischievous. He probably did something wrong. And, and we think that repentance is about somebody who's forcing us to fess up, pressuring us to fess up, when we don't really understand that repentance is actually changing your mind. So I kind of detailed out what changing your mind would look like when it came to something that you felt guilt over. First of all, you have to understand that your destructive behavior will slowly destroy you. Do you hear me? That makes sense, right? If I have destructive behavior, it's going to eventually destroy me. Right? That's why they call it destructive. We're not, this isn't rocket science tonight, right? Everybody gets that. But, but you have to recognize tonight that the behavior that you feel guilty about was, in, at that time, destructive. And you have to face that you made a choice to participate in it. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch this on you because folks are like, oh, my gosh, how, where do I even start? All you need to be able to say tonight is change your mind about what happened. Don't blame anybody else. Stop blaming other people. Own up to it. I'm going I'm to teach you why you can do this, and it's, not, it's actually going to do the opposite of destroy your life. Own up to what you did wrong. That's simple. Don't blame anybody else. Do you know why the number one reason that some of us in this room are still carrying guilt? Because we don't want to own up that we did something wrong. We don't want to face it. We feel guilty, but we realize to get rid of the guilt, we actually have to face and own up to it. So we've shifted blame to all sorts of people. I've done it with my life. I've done it many, many times. It's always somebody else's fault. Well, you know, I was running with the wrong crowd, and, and they talked me into doing it. No, no one can talk you into anything. No one can, I mean, we have to own up to the fact, and this is, this, is, this is the key tonight. If you take ownership of what you did, he can take ownership of the consequences. I'm going to put it in a tweetable way, so get your phones ready. You ready for this? If you will face it, God will fix it. If you will face it, God will fix it. If you'll own up to it, he'll fix it. <laughs> There's some people in this room that are like, he's preached like 964 messages in a row on grace. Where does this come from? Because it is the grace of God that will fix it. It's the grace of God that's waiting for you just to own up to whatever you feel guilty about and hand it over to him because if you'll face it, he'll fix it. If you act like it never happened or didn't exist or it wasn't your fault. Now, I'm not talking about things that were done to you. I'm not talking about abuse. That's never your fault. I'm talking about things that we did in our lives that we feel guilty and regret that we, should, we wish we would have never done it, never made those decisions. 
If you'll face it, he'll fix it. If you'll own up to it, God will, the grace of God is waiting, anticipating the opportunity to encounter whatever you did wrong and fix it. And by fix it, I mean he buries it 10 feet under, never to return to it. When I mean by fix it, I mean he wipes it clean. He never wants to talk about it again. We need to change our mind about what we feel guilty about. And we need to realize that it's not your responsibility to pay the consequences. It, it would have been if it wasn't for Jesus. But the wages of your sin, which was death, was paid on the cross. And God can't submit the payment unless you're willing to face it. See, this is where people get mixed up. They, they, when I get rolling and I, I sometimes get really ticked off at the way that religious folks are condemning people and holding things over people's head and I get really upset about it and I preach about it and I go after it and some people love it and some people think I'm a heretic and that's okay too but I, I, I want you to see that the, the, I, you cannot avoid the idea of repentance in the New Testament it's there but the idea of repentance has been twisted to control people and so what's happened is you have two camps in the body of Christ in the church you have the camp that's basically like, everybody needs to repent, but repent the way they think you're supposed to repent, and it's not biblical. And then you have the folks that are like, don't say that word in church, because people are going to feel very uncomfortable, and then they're going to leave, and no one's going to come back. Well, maybe you don't understand what, God, what, what the Lord meant by repent, because he meant to change your mind. He meant to readjust your thinking. So stop thinking. See, this is, the, this, is the, this is the shift in our understanding. And I'm going to show you this in the Word of God in a moment. The shift in your understanding tonight. Please allow me to reach inside your brain, and I'll do the same to me and go whoosh, shift it around a little bit. The shift is this. God doesn't want you to face it so, then you have, so that you have to pay the price for the consequences of it. He's not asking you to face it. So finally, it's not, this is not probation. Okay? This is not, I screwed up, now I have to go face probation and see if they're going to violate me. Amen. That's not why God wants you to face it. I wonder what this is going to do to my life. That's not why God wants you to face it. God wants you to face it because if you'll be, he already knows. He already knows. He's not asking you, like my mom said the other day, what was it we were talking about? And you said to me something that um, you were telling me, one of the stories you preached in the Philippines, you said something about how, Jesus asked him to tell him, oh, with Peter. He, mom said that when Peter denied Jesus three times, that Peter, that um, she said that Peter, uh, that Jesus then said to Peter three times, um, that I love you, Peter. You yeah, do you love me? He asked Peter, do you love me? And then Peter said, yes, I love you. And he asked him three times. And mom said, Jesus didn't ask him three times because Jesus is insecure and he needs to hear that people love him, right? That's the same thing. Jesus is not like, you know, like, you know, I, I just want to prove to them that when they do these things, that you know, like sometimes us, we don't really, as parents, we don't really pull off the whole Jesus thing all the time. Well, you know, we get it sometimes. Sometimes with our kids, we're like, I told you, if you touch that stove, you're going to get burnt. And now you're burnt. And I'm upset about it, but I'm kind of happy about it because I'm hoping you're going to learn your lesson and never. Jesus isn't like that. Okay. 
When you, when you have something bad or tragic that happens in your life, he's not like, you need to feel the sting about this and feel guilty about it for a while. You need to just, yeah, yeah. Six, listen, I'll come and rescue you in about six months. You let me know how you feel in six months. But you need to learn your lesson. That's not Jesus. The minute you face it and you say, you know what? I changed my mind. That was destructive behavior. And it's not something I want to enter into anymore. I don't want to be a part of that. The minute you change your mind and say, I want to live differently, the minute you make that shift in your mind, he comes in because you've, quote unquote, repented. You have changed your mind about what you were doing. The minute you can recognize that was destructive behavior in my life, the, the, the minute you do it and you, and you allow Jesus to come in, he literally casts it as far and as deep as he can into the sea of forgetfulness. He takes whatever that was and he gets rid of it. And then the only person that can make you feel guilty about it is you because he sure isn't bringing it up. He's forgotten about it. As a matter of fact, the minute he erases that, the minute he casts that into the sea of forgetfulness, one scripture put it, the minute it is gone, if you brought it back up and you're like, Jesus, I just am feeling so guilty about what I did two weeks ago. He's going to be like, come again? What? Remember two weeks ago and then last week I told you that it was just something that was destructive in my life and I didn't want to do it anymore? What? He, no recollection. The only person that can remember it is you. And the devil who wants to accuse you and put it in your face. You have to make the decision that if he doesn't remember it, you shouldn't feel guilty over it. Because if you'll face it, he'll fix it. Listen to this scripture. Go to that scripture for me real quick. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. We need to readjust our thinking. He's not the big bad wolf waiting around the corner. That's not the essence of repentance. Repentance is just simply recognizing that this was destructive in my life. It was producing something that was destroying me in my life. I'm going to use an extreme example for you. How many of you know that heroin's not cool? Anybody? Right? If you think sticking an eel in your arm... It's just like getting a B vitamin shot. Just, I'm just, I'm just, man, I feel great now. All right. This is going to help my heart and help my health. And I'm going to build muscle this way and live a long time. It, until you come to the point where you say, this is destroying me. Amen. This is destructive behavior. And Jesus, because this is destroying me, I don't want to do it anymore. Amen. That's the essence of repentance. Repentance is not you come in and going, oh, God, I'm so terrible. I'm so disgusting. I'm so this. I'm so that. He's like, oh. he calls over to St. Peter. He's like, we got a dramatic one down here. When are you going to get to the point where you just say, oh, wait, I died for that. When are you going to get to the point where you realize, oh, wait, he, he died for it. He was prepared. The cross was enough for anything you feel guilty about tonight. He's overcome your guilt on the cross way before you even thought about doing something to feel guilty about later. Think of the worst possible transgression you could commit in your life. And if you've done it, 
Jesus paid the price so that you wouldn't have to suffer the consequences of it and that he would took it upon his own back. He took it upon his side. He took it upon his head with that crown of thorns so that you and I didn't have to, uh, didn't have to, didn't have to receive the payment for our decisions and our behavior. He took it all. He is not waiting to beat you over the head. He's waiting to offer you forgiveness and he's waiting to offer you grace and he's waiting to fix whatever in your life has you down. He's just waiting for you to face it. But somebody else kind of has a little bit of the blame in it. Well, you can't face it for them. You can face it for you. That's it. It's kind of like this. You know, if you have a car or a van, and especially Stray and I finally have some decent vehicles that don't have this problem, but for the first maybe 15 years of my driving career, I had pretty terrible vehicles. My parents felt, I think, thought it was a character-building exercise. And... I've seen a lot of red engine, check engine lights in my day. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's another story. Anyone ever seen a check engine light? The check, yeah. <laughs> we need to get you a raise, young man. Um, <laughs> that check engine light in our lives that goes off for a moment, that says, wait a second, something's wrong. This doesn't feel right. I'm not at peace with this. This is destructive. This isn't going to do anything good for my life. The problem is, many of us, we take a piece of black tape, and we just cover that little check engine light and keep driving. We try to get a black tape that matches the black interior of our tachometer or whatever they call it, right? But deep down inside, we know that that light's still on. We rip that little piece of tape off, look at the check engine light, and here's the thing. Nobody's asking you to fix your own car. All right? Nobody's asking you to fix it. But you're never going to call the mechanic if you won't face the fact that something's wrong. So we look at that check engine light and we go, wait a second. And that's the check in our spirit. When you get filled with the spirit of God, there's something that happens when you do something you know you shouldn't be doing. All of a sudden you go, woo. Mm, mm. Later, you're just kind of like, for me, honestly, if I do something I shouldn't be doing, my, I get sick to my stomach. I actually get sick, I physically get sick to my stomach. Someone said, you must be sick a lot. Okay. <laughs> that was the accuser of the brethren. I rebuke you. I get sick to my stomach personally. It might be different for you. But there's a check engine light that goes off in me. And I go to myself, wait a second. I can't go down that path. It's going to be destructive for me. Father, I changed my mind about that. I don't want to do that. I want what you have for my life. And he scoops down and goes, and he slings it. It's gone. I don't want to do that. That's the essence of repentance and the prescription for guilt in your life. Let it go because he's let it go. And the minute you face it, he'll fix it. Rip that stupid religious band-aid off that check engine light and face the fact. Because in church, what we do is we go, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. Praise the Lord, sister, hallelujah. Let me quote some scripture and make you not really look deep into my soul. I said to somebody earlier, I don't know who was, I said, I said how are you doing? I said that to a lot of people, so no one's going to know who I'm talking about. 
I was like, how you doing? And they're like, what? <laughs> like, I'm more concerned with you figuring out what I did wrong this week than you should be about me figuring out what you did wrong this week. Like, we're good. Right? That's how we're in church. We're like, hey. Whoa. Whoa there. You know? You just might show up on, at my door on a Monday when I'm not feeling good with Chinese food and see me in my underwear like these two did right here. Like, we're good in church. It just That was a joke just for them. We're good in church of just covering up the check engine light and acting like nothing's wrong. But the thing is, is that it's not a secret when the car's bucking and smoking and we're all like, hey, how long do you think his check engine light's been on? Then we get in your car and we're like, what's that faint glow of red around that tape? Oh, you think being Christian's about how well we cover this up. Oh, no. It's about realizing that there's a master mechanic that can fix anything in your life. If you'll just say, hey, woo, hey, I got something wrong here and destructive in my life and I want to get it out. If you'll face it, he'll fix it. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you'll face it, he'll fix it. <laughs> David learned that same truth in Psalms 32.5. He said this, and I'm going to end with this. He said, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I mean, this is a check engine light right here. He said, I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I've had a lot of conversations with people about this, and it's interesting which side people get on, but if you understand the truth about repentance, you won't be scared of it you'll understand that it is the doorway to freedom. Because if you'll change your mind about these things in your life, then God can step in and fix it. See, repentance is available to you not because God wants to beat you up. It's because he's good. He's good. It's the avenue where you can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I took a wrong turn and now I've got a flat tire and the lights beeping and the engine smoking, but I want to get back on the road. So what do I need to do? And the Lord's like, I already did it. I already took care of it. Boom, it's done. Get back on the road. I love you. What about the consequences? He paid him. What about the bill? Am I going to get a bill? Nope. It's been paid. You just got to acknowledge it. The beautiful story, the beautiful ending to that story is this. Johnny, after three or four weeks of his sister making him do the dishes and all the chores every night, he finally started to object to it and came back to Sally and he said, Sally, listen, I'm tired of this. I'm not doing it anymore. And she just looked at him and she goes, oh yeah? What about the dead duck? So she got Johnny a couple more weeks to do some more chores. Finally, Johnny said, this is not worth it anymore. I'm tired of this doing all the work and it's getting worse. So he ran to grandma. So grandma, I gotta tell you something. I'm sorry, I know you're gonna kill me over this. I know you're gonna be really upset. I know you're gonna probably cry for days, but I took my slingshot and I, I didn't even really mean it, but I kind of aimed it towards the duck and, and it hit it and it killed it. And that's why you haven't seen your pet duck for four or five weeks now. Grandma said this, I know Johnny, 
I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. She said, because I love you, I forgave you. And I wondered how long you would allow Sally to make a slave out of you. See, when you realize that all it is is enslaving you, that guilt and regret and shame is just enslaving you, and you finally face it and you realize that God has already paid the price for your forgiveness, it's nothing that you have to earn. You just have to be willing to say, hey, Grandma, I, I killed the duck. She's like, I know. All I have to do is say, God, I um, I did some destructive things that I'm feeling guilty about. And he says, I know, but I already forgave you. Now move on with your life. You're called to be a, a priest. You're called to be a king. You're royalty in my eyes. The price has been paid. Now move on. Go on with the calling and the purpose of God in your life. When you realize that, you realize that our ticket to freedom is facing these things in our life so that God can fix it. Stand up. We're going to pray.